We're going to take a break from Galatians. We've been working through Galatians. We're just still at the beginning of the book, but we're going to take a break this Sunday and look at the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. So through the course of this week, I was praying about this morning and just didn't feel settled about the text in Galatians that I was preparing. It would have been good. God's word is all profitable and is beneficial, but just felt a little restless. And so I decided to kind of give myself permission to not proceed in the book for this Sunday. You know, I like to just move through a book that way. I'm not, you know, tossed to and fro by everything that's going on in the news or whatever. And I felt like this being our first official Sunday back inside with all the uncertainty about how to be the church together, churches all doing different things, Christians within our own church having to make different decisions as to whether they're comfortable coming or staying home. Or In light of all that, I thought it'd be helpful to revisit Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. Let's just start by reading it. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning at verse 24. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, the book of Hebrews is basically a sermon. Uh, it's, it's considered one of the letters, but it's sort of a sermon format, and it seems to be written to Christian people who were going through a really hard time. They were enduring persecution and other trials of life in the ancient world, and it seemed to be such a difficult time that some of them were tempted to give it up, to just give up trusting and following Jesus altogether. So this is meant to encourage Christians going through hard times. This section, Hebrews chapter 10, begins a new part of the sermon that is aimed at calling Christians to hang on to their faith and endure because Jesus is excellent. Jesus is awesome. Jesus truly is the Savior. Jesus truly is the Lord. He is the King of Kings. He is the way and the truth and the life. So God through Hebrews is basically saying, no matter how hard it gets, don't give up your faith and allegiance to Jesus. And here in this part of the the sermon, it it begins to shift to give some practical implications of that. So let's just look at these two verses, knowing that they come in a greater context where there's more instruction than just this, but I think this is especially pertinent to us right now. Verses 24 and 25, it says, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. So throughout this time, especially when we were apart from each other, and many of us still are apart from each other, I think many of us have been asking the question, what in the world are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do right now? All of our usual rhythms have been put to a stop. Especially at the beginning, we didn't have anything going on for a little bit. And I started to try to do some things online, but it was nothing like usual when we're here together. So what are we supposed to do as Christians? We're not having our Sunday morning prayer meeting that we used to always have. We're not having Sunday school. We don't have any children-specific ministries going on right now. We're not going to meet together to eat together. How can we be a church if we don't come together and eat? 
No, no events or special activities going on right now. What are we supposed to be doing? Here is part of God's answer here. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Let us consider one another. That word consider means give attention, take note, observe fully. In the Greek, it's sort of two, two words pressed together. is think and down upon. So basically, mentally drill down on one another. Let's think about one another. So here are Christians similarly going through a hard time, probably harder than what we're going through. And here's God's instruction to us and to them. Think about one another. It's the same word that is used throughout other parts of the Bible uh, when Jesus is talking about how we shouldn't notice the speck in somebody else's eye rather than notice the plank in our own eye. That word notice is the same word. When he taught us not to worry and he said, consider the ravens who neither sow nor reap, that word consider is what we, mean, we are meant to do for each other. Jesus encountered enemies who were trying to trick him with what they said into saying something wrong, and it says he perceived their craftiness. That's the same word. It's about perception. James says, don't be like someone who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror and turns away. That idea of looking intently is this same word. So basically, we need to think about each other. And not just the passing, maybe somebody might pass across our mind through the week. This is an active command with an active word. Consider one another. Perceive one another. Put your, your mind down upon one another. Notice one another. Now, that's hard enough to do during normal circumstances. Life is busy. We've got other concerns on our minds. But now, especially when so many of our fellow church members are out of sight and out of mind, we've got to intentionally think about one another. In tough times, we should think about one another. When's the last time you considered Scott and Jessica and little baby Ruby? When's the last time you took note of Martha? When's the last time you mentally drilled down on Shirley Eford? How is Shirley doing? When's the last time you observed fully Marguerite? When's the last time you noticed Rick and Susan Hagler and what's going on in their lives? When's the last time you perceived Mike and Denise Boston? When's the last time you looked intently at Mark and Anita Jameson? This is part of being the church together. I think in the American church, we're used to pew-sitting. And I think one of the great blessings of the pandemic is that it swiped the pew right out from underneath us. And it reminded us that pew-sitting really was never commanded in the Scripture, but considering one another is commanded in the Scripture. And it's reminded us that this sanctuary is not our church. You and I are the church. We can be the church together in this sanctuary, and we're blessed to do so this morning. We can be the church together out in that parking lot. We will always be the church together, regardless of what's going on 
and that involves considering one another. Do you know how your fellow Christians are doing? You say, well, that's nosy. That's none of my business how they're doing. That's another American thing. We love privacy and we love independence. But we are not in that culture as the church. Remember, we are part of a future culture. We are ambassadors of a future nation made up of all kingdoms, tribes, and tongues. And this nation of nations has its own culture. And privacy really isn't that much of a virtue in the kingdom culture. We're kind of supposed to be all up in each other's business. We're supposed to know how we're doing. We're supposed to be open and vulnerable with each other. We're supposed to be that way. We're supposed to be so inundated with God's mercy and grace that it's safe to be that way with each other. So does anybody in the church know how you're doing? Do your brothers and sisters know what's going on with you right now? And do you know what's going on with them right now? That's what we need to apply ourselves to. Now, not just for the sake of being busybodies and knowing a bunch of stuff about what's going on with people. For a specific purpose, it says, let us consider how to stir up one another. That word stir up is a great word. It really means provoke or stimulate. And it usually has a negative connotation of irritate and jab and spur, like if you're riding a horse. When's the last time you irritated Richard Lowry? When's the last time you jabbed Gail Williams? When's the last time you spurred Kathy Patterson? We are called to a sort of holy irritation of one another. We are to love each other, but to also be irritants, agitators of one another. And not just for fun. We are called to consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, to jab each other toward love and good works, to spur each other on toward love and good works. In the hard times, we need to keep after each other to keep on trusting and following Jesus all the way through not just the therapeutic level of what that means for me, but the action level of what that now means I am to do for others which is to love, is agape, unconditionally love people, and good deeds. That word good isn't a moral word. It's actually an aesthetic word. It's the word for beautiful, beautiful deeds. Now more than ever, the church needs to be active in love and good deeds. But if we don't keep jabbing each other, we will always sort of fall back to an apathetic stance, a passive stance. We are like a team. We've got to cheer each other on. If you've ever been on a team, I bet your coach at some point told you, cheer on your teammates. If you're on the bench right now, be cheering on your teammates. We are supposed to be doing that for each other. It's always essential, but it's especially essential right now when so many of us are not able to be here together. In the hard times, we have to keep after each other to keep on. Otherwise, we might stop. If you guys do not continually jab the broadways, we might stop living like Christians. And we might start going with the flow and living just like the world. If we don't continually irritate the riches, 
they might stop. They might stop living distinctively like Christians. If we do not continually spur the Shufers, they might get distracted by the things of this world and stop loving and doing good deeds like we are called to do as Christians. Irritate the Thomases. Jab the Walshes. Now, what does this actually look like? Well, we get further instructions as we take in the entire two verses here. So let's read them again. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. Not neglecting to meet together. So, point number one, let us consider how to stir up one another. Point number two, let us not neglect to meet together. Now, here we go. This, I have preached this passage before, but it was not during a pandemic. Now, this is the verse for a pastor to use to guilt people back into church. But what does this actually mean? Does this mean that everybody who's not with us this morning is living in disobedience to Jesus Christ and disobedience to the word? Well, I think we all know that it's just not that simple. And there's some clues in these two verses to help us understand what it means. Clue number one is the word neglect. Not neglecting to meet together. That word neglecting means giving up, forsaking, leaving behind, abandoning, deserting. It's the same word that God uses when he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. We are not to forsake meeting together. It's the idea of leaving it behind. It's in the past. The desire is gone. The desire is in the past. I do not think that included in this neglect is temporarily abstaining from meeting together during a pandemic. I don't think that's what he has in view here. Many people are not with us this morning, not because they don't want to be, they very much want to be, but they have legitimate concerns that if they catch this virus, they might transmit it to to their aging mother or father that they care for who is an extremely vulnerable age. Or they have legitimate concerns that they have medical conditions already that make them especially vulnerable. And so I don't think that by abstaining during a pandemic, you are disobeying Hebrews chapter 10. Another clue as to what this is talking about is the word habit. It says, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. That Greek word is ethos. The ethos of some people is to to not meet together. It's the custom of some people to not meet together. It's not because they're concerned about the pandemic. They've just built up the habit of not meeting with their fellow Christians. We all know how this works. I bet all of us have had some stage of life where this was us. One Sunday morning comes around, and it was an extremely heavy Saturday and late night due to some workload or some unexpected family thing, and we say, you know what? I've just got to catch up on sleep this Sunday. I'm not going to go this Sunday. Okay, that's, I think, understandable. That kind of thing happens. But that makes it a little bit easier next Sunday to say, it really helped me to sleep in and just catch up on some rest before starting a new week. I'm just going to do that again, which makes it even easier the next Sunday to do it again. And then the habit builds, and next thing you know, a couple of weeks becomes a couple of months, becomes a couple of years, becomes your whole life now, you have left it behind. 
You used to go to church. You think you're still a member of the church. Now you feel like it'd be awkward if you did come back to church because everybody would be like, whoa, you, where have you been? I think some people don't come back because they realize they have built up the habit and they're embarrassed or they think that it's, we're going to shame them or something. That's what he's talking about here. Don't neglect meeting together because you'd rather cook a big breakfast on Sunday mornings instead or get the yard work done on Sunday. Don't, don't just let it become a habit. Third clue is the alternative that he gives to neglecting to meet together. So let's read the whole verse and see what he's telling us to do. He's definitely telling us not to neglect meeting together. So then what are we supposed to do? Let's read it again. He says, And can, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So the alternative to neglecting to meet together is not meet together. That would make sense if he said it that way, if he said not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but meeting together, as is the habit of all the awesome people. But that's not what he says. He says not neglecting to meet together, but instead, alternatively, encouraging one another. That's the alternative to this kind of neglect that the Bible's talking about. So the third point, let us encourage one another. That's really the point. Meeting together is not the point. Meeting together was never the point. The point is, as Christians, to come together to mutually build each other up in our shared faith and allegiance to Jesus Christ. That's the point. Encourage here, it's a muscular word. It means exhort. It can include all variety of interactions we might have with each other, rebuking one another, warning one another, comforting one another, encouraging one another. All that's kind of contained in this word. I, I like to use the word cultivate. We are called to cultivate one another as Christians. So if you are a gardener, if you ever have had anything to do with farming, you know all the varieties of types of work involved in seeing that crop grow and flourish all the way into harvest. There's weeds to pull, there's rocks to remove from the soil. You gotta break the soil up, there's seeds to plant, there's, you need to water it, you gotta watch the weather, you gotta keep uh, vermin out of there that would eat it all up. When it's time to pull the vegetables or whatever, you need to do it before it's too late. All that attentive cultivating is what we are called to do for one another as fellow Christians. That's what we're after. We're not just after meeting together. Meeting together is just one expression of our desire to cultivate one another as Christians. It's getting our hands dirty in each other's lives, getting involved in each other's lives. Back to the question of meeting together. If you do continue to come and meet together in person, do so with this in mind so that you can be built up in your Christian faith and so that you can build up those around you in their Christian faith. If you don't feel comfortable coming to meet together, things shift and change, things get worse. Uh, I have determined that I will continue some sort of meeting every week, no matter what. Uh, Unless something I just cannot foresee happens, we will have some sort of meeting. But some people are predicting that this is going to get way worse as we head into the fall 
And if it does and, you know, churches start to close down again or, or if you start to feel uncomfortable again and you don't come, I don't want you to feel guilty or ashamed about that, but you need to find another way to consider your fellow brothers and sisters, how you can stir them up to love and good works and encourage them. That's what you don't want to stop doing. This is not a time for passivity. A lot of people are just kind of waiting, just waiting for things to get back to normal. Well, I don't even know what that will look like, when that will happen. I mean, it may never look like it did before March. It might look way better. But if we sit and just wait for it to be like it used to be, we may miss out on a whole year that we could have been doing great ministry for Christ. It just might have to look different. You know, in many ways, this is just such a gift because our usual rhythms, everything that we were doing prior, we basically were doing because that's what our parents did. And it kind of got handed down to us. It was basically tradition. I mean, there's no specific scripture that tells us how specifically to go about a lot of what we do. It, it was built out of the desire of our Christian forefathers to obey scriptures like this. And so they said, well, how can we encourage one another? How can we consider how to stir each other up to love and good works? Well, let's have a Sunday morning prayer meeting and let's build up Sunday school for teaching purposes. And now that that's stripped away, maybe it's time for us to think with fresh eyes, well, how will we do it? It may not look exactly like it did before, or it might. The point is to be building each other up. The health and progress of your fellow Christians is your responsibility and your privilege to work on. Remember Ephesians 4, I won't go back and read it right now, but you can go back and revisit it. That's the passage that says God gave to the church teachers and pastors and missionaries and all these leaders for the purpose of equipping the saints to build up the body of Christ. So I think this pandemic has been a great reminder that none of us are are, um, passive attenders or attendees. We've got work to do. Every one of us has a contribution to make to building up these people. You have a unique contribution to make. Now, all this direction is very timely for us right now. This reminder to uh, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. This reminder not to neglect meeting together. This reminder to encourage one another. It's very timely. Now, how many of you have thought at some point this year, as you see all that's going on in the world, on the news, I wonder if this is nearing the end. Has that occurred to any of you that maybe Jesus is getting ready to come back soon because these, these are crazy times? Well, maybe he is. Now, I, I don't know, but we know that it's closer today than it was yesterday. And the way our passage ends is a reminder that the closer we get to Jesus' return, the more urgent it is that we be about this business of being the church together and building each other up. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. All the more as we see the day drawing near. The closer it gets, the more active we should be in building each other up in Christ. It should be very motivating. I would love for us as a church to get to where 
Every time we see a crazy headline in the news that it prompts us to think about one another. What can I do this week to build up a brother in Christ, a sister in Christ? Who do I need to check on? Who do I need to pray for? Who do I need to serve in some practical way? We don't need to be paralyzed. We don't need to wait. Let's consider how to stir up one another. Let's not neglect meeting together as best we can. Let's encourage one another. Now, we're going to pray together, and then I'm going to point out a couple things on the response sheet before we go. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this timely reminder from your word. Thank you for letting us be your church. Lord, I am so encouraged. I am not discouraged right now. I am encouraged. I see the church adapting and growing more vibrant in many ways, and it is awesome to behold. You are good. Jesus is the head of the church, and he knows what he's doing. So here on the back end of this time in your word, we submit ourselves to you all over again. Would you please show us how to do this, how to consider one another, how to stir each other to love and good deeds. Or give us wisdom about meeting together. Show us how to do it in the way that is best. For those who can't meet, who aren't comfortable meeting, Lord, help them not to drift away. Let us all be engaged with encouraging one another. We trust you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.